Welcome to Inside the 18. I'm Michael Magid. With me is former MLS goalkeeper Patrick McLean, back from his journey to Wisconsin, where he was honored at his high school. Dude, that's incredible. Thanks. Yeah, what's up, guys? That was uh, that was quite an experience for you, I'm sure. Like, So, so just uh, walk us through that just really quickly before we get into the show here. Because for those of you guys who are unfamiliar, Patrick is kind of a legend uh, in, uh, in Wisconsin. Uh, for his goalkeeping exploits and his uh, his forward exploits, so uh, his high school they were were they retiring your jersey or were they just uh, just honoring you with a plaque or like what was the whole deal? Yeah, there's just there's this Hall of Fame that's uh, you know in the in the hallway of Eau Claire Memorial just has a bunch of you know former athletes who have achieved cool things and uh, they're just a series of plaques and I am now a plaque on that wall. My the- career has been. Uh, has it been summed up by that? And I'm sure that was like when you were like a kid that you were like one day dreaming. You're like, you know, one day I'm going to be up on that wall. I'm going to be a Hall of Famer at that high school, right? You know, every day, and this is going to sound cliche, but every day I'd walk down that hallway and I'd read these stories and these stats of these different uh, individuals. And I'd say to myself, yeah, I'm going to be up here one day and that's going to be me. Like, why not me? that should a hundred percent be me up there and I'm going to do everything that I can to make that happen. So I really, I really do remember having those conversations in my head. And, um, you know, that was one of the things that I said when I was honored at Memorial is, is I told this story of, of walking down that hallway. And so for me, it was a, it was a really cool moment. And, uh, you know, to see, to see myself, uh, immortalized in a sense uh on that wall was was something special for me i mean i can just tell just like from your emotion right now like obviously it meant a big deal to you and just congrats to you and just honestly everybody out there in the goalkeeper union uh you know wants to congratulate you you know because uh these are big achievements and you know sometimes you know we we miss out on the little things and because we're so focused on you know the big things like you know what's going on in champions league or world cups or whatever you know we, we we stop to think about you know uh just goalkeepers around us in, in, in our local community. And, you know, uh, things like your high school, you know, has almost come a little, almost a little, even a little more rewarding than, you know, being honored, you know, uh, by professional team, because like, you know, these are, this is where you grew up, you know? Yeah. hundred percent. And, uh, and thank you. I, uh, like I said, it was, it was, it was very special to me, you know, and there's a lot of, a lot of work that, that went into that, uh, you know, a lot of time spent in the, the racquetball courts and the, uh, <laughs> And the you know indoor sports centers and et cetera, uh, which we've talked about in previous uh, in previous podcasts. So yeah, speaking of podcasts, guys, I just want to thank everybody out there who's been rating, reviewing, and subscribing. We're getting close to a hundred reviews, which is awesome, guys. If you don't want to review the show, that's totally cool. If you can just go on iTunes, you can just go onto our website inside the eighteen mediacom click on the Apple Music box. And just click five stars or just go on your, uh, your, your iTunes on podcasts and just click five stars. You don't have to leave a review. It honestly helps us. It keeps us moving up the charts. If we move up the charts, more goalkeepers get to find us. They get to share this information that you're getting right now. And uh, we all become better goalkeepers. So that's really what it's all about. So, again, we like to start the show by, you know, giving some love to the people, you know, that are sending us love. And I just stole that from the Cooligans, who shout out to them on their <laughs> brand new TV show on Fubo TV. You guys got to check it out. The Cooligans got a TV show. Uh, hopefully we're next. Um, so let's start off with Anthony Ferrara. Uh, he list, leaves this review and it says, must listen for any keeper. Great content and insight into the specifics of goalkeeping and great interviews with past and present high-level keepers. Love the podcast. Keep up the great work. Uh, Anthony, awesome. Thanks, man. That's, uh, that's why we do it. And uh, we try to bring uh, people on the show that, uh, that, that are going to bring something to you that, uh, that you're going to learn from or you know, stories that are going to be interesting to you. And you know, it's not necessarily just high-level keepers, but I, I want to make sure that all, all the goalkeepers out there understand that you can learn from any goalkeeper in your area. It doesn't just have to be you know, a big-time player, right, Patrick? Totally. There's a, there's a lot of things that you can learn from a lot of different people. You just need to be open enough to see what they have to offer, what their strengths are, and, uh, you know, and honestly, be selfish about how you absorb that, uh, that information. 
Yeah, and you know, and honestly, you know, one of the cool things that we like about this show is that we don't feel like we're talking down to you guys. You know, we're talking with you guys. We're all goalkeepers. It's the goalkeeper union. We're trying to share information. So please, please, please reach out to us. Contact at insidethe18media.com if you got questions or if you have, you know, even if you disagree with us, you know, we want to hear from you because it, we want to start these conversations. You know, that's all, all how we all become better goalkeepers. For all I know, I could learn from something from an eight-year-old boy in Ecuador right now. I, I don't know. It could happen, you know. Um, so let's move on to this next review, uh, speaking of eight-year-old boys. And uh, this is another father and son, which is pretty awesome. I love seeing these stories uh, because – it's just so cool that these parents are bonding with their kids over goalkeeping. And this one just says, wow, with like four exclamation points, which that's a pretty big compliment in itself. And it's from Lachere DJ. And it says, this podcast has so much info for me and my son. Coaches, players, and parents really need to listen. Really great guests. Uh, thanks, Lachere. Uh, that, that's what we're trying to do. And uh, I'm glad we're able to share this uh, with you and your son. And uh, hopefully those uh, rides, like we were talking about with a, with a kid you know, a week ago, uh, are becoming a little bit less boring uh, listening to us. Um, so let's move on into uh, listener questions right here uh, because this is going to kind of segue into our topic today that we're going to be talking about, and we're going to be talking about the modern goal kick, uh, which is becoming very different than the old-school goal kick. And this one comes from Mars Brownson, and uh, Mars says, What are your thoughts of building out of the back at all costs? Does this endanger the goalkeeper into making an error eventually? Coaches at all levels forget that City, and I'm, I'm sure he's referring to Man City, can build out of the back because Ederson gets assists if you cheat. I think goal kicks and distributions should be more like set plays. Greg being dogmatic makes Zach look bad. You build to pull the D up and then cut them out. Again, these are Mars's words, not necessarily ours. Uh, Patrick, let's uh, let's share it with you. What are your thoughts? This is uh, this is a great this is a great question and uh, and a great topic of debate here. So. Building out at all costs, I think. I think unless you're Ederson or unless you're one of the incredibly top level goalkeepers with a series of players who know exactly what to do when they're surrounding you, know how to show, know how to be available. I think the uh, I think the building out at all costs is risky. I mean, it's just a matter of time in some situations when a ball's going to go maybe a foot to the left, a foot to the right, and now you're in a situation. Ultimately, I think building out of the back at all costs can be very risky. Um, this puts guys in a situation where if you're not 100% comfortable, and even the guys that are 100% comfortable, this can, be, this can be a quick death because the better the team that you're facing is – the quicker they're gonna, uh, they're, the quicker they're gonna punish any mistake that you that might come your way, or any mistake that you might give them the ability to punish. Yeah, and I think, you know, brought bringing up a really good point. And someone was saying this earlier in regards to now because you know teams are building so much out of the back, teams are pressing higher and higher up the field because they know basically that nobody's playing long. They know that everyone's trying to build out of the back. So. Even in youth soccer, you're going to recognize this. If you notice that the team's playing short all the time, what are you going to do? You're going to start forcing your team higher up the field because there's no reason for them to sit back because and just let them keep playing possession with the ball because you know that you can put pressure on them. Uh, I do think it's a little bit, you know, a lot of people have been, you know, quick to blame Zach Steffen for some of the mistakes recently, and we'll talk about the Mexico game in a second uh, from some of the distribution mistakes, but I think a lot of it too is that if the team is putting him at a disadvantageous situation, it's going to make it that much more difficult. And, you know, just because you can play with your feet doesn't necessarily mean that when you've got, you know, world-class players coming at you that you're always going to make the right decisions. Yeah, 100% agree. And and the thing is, this approach of of playing out at all costs, I think there's a lot of times when it's incredibly beneficial. Like, you see this all the time where – they play out and you know maybe it's a series of five or ten passes and all of a sudden the ball's in the uh, the opposite net um however it just takes one moment like this and then you're like well i think if if we had if we had 2020 foresight or uh we we would all make the right decision in that situation and we'd we'd pump it long and say oh well 
we're not two two goals down now instead of one. Um, but you know, the message is, I'm assuming, I don't know, I'm not in that locker room, play out at all costs. Yeah, and that's what it feels like to to everyone in the media, at least who's who's listening to this, and and even when you listen to the Burhalter you know, conversations. And, and by the way, I'm not just throwing the U S national team under the bus. There's a lot of teams out there that are doing things like this. You know, similarly, we saw a situation, uh, this past weekend where I believe it was, uh, the team that was playing England. I forget, uh, who that was. Um, geez, I can't think off the top of my head, but let's just say it was a smaller nation. Um, and they were playing them and, uh, the goalkeeper, you know, they, he played a short ball and it, it was cut off really quickly. And Harry Kane was able to lead to a goal uh, just because of the misplayed ball. So let's let's talk a little bit about goal kicks, and let's talk about kind of the modern goal kick. Um, this is kind of the topic of today. I know a lot of you guys have been asking what's going on with this rule change. Why are some leagues doing it? Why aren't some leagues doing it? Is this going to help the goalkeeper in the long run? Is this going to be uh, worse for the goalkeeper in the long run? Um, I think in the long run it's going to benefit the goalkeeper. Uh, for those of you guys who are unfamiliar, the goal kick change basically is now no longer does the ball have to leave the 18 before a player on your team can touch the ball. Uh, it used to be before that if the ball was touched by a player inside the 18, you know, they would just re-kick the ball again. Uh, that being said, now players can pressure those players inside the 18-yard box who are getting the ball received to them. So first off, Patrick, I know in the United States, we haven't implemented this rule yet. Uh, it goes into a play next season. So you never got a chance to play with it, but what are your thoughts overall on this goal kick? Uh, just to clarify, the ball has to be played before the attacking team can enter the 18 yard box, correct? Yes. But then they can pressure them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I liked how it was before because in situations where I needed to waste time, I could always play a slow ball to another player who could take a touch inside the box, and then it's just a redo. So you can kill 30 seconds to a minute with just this scenario. But that's neither here nor there. I think ultimately it's going to end up uh, benefiting the goalkeeper in terms of playing out for sure because, I mean, let's face it, there's a lot of goalkeepers who are fantastic with their feet, but there are a number of field players who are better. And uh, and putting the ball into the players who who do this full time, um, putting putting the ball on their feet, I think is ultimately going to to help you build out. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I love what you just said there in regards to the players that do this full time because. Yes, goalkeepers are getting better with their feet, but again, it's not our. It, it's it. There's there's guys who are, you know they've been playing their left back all their lives, you know, 100%. And, and been dealing with dealing getting out of these situations all their lives. And yes, you know, obviously goalkeepers need to improve their 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 distribution with their feet, and they need to be just as as capable. But let's be honest, you know, even in a perfect world, the amount of reps that those backs are getting in dangerous situations to to deal with playing the balls out is much higher than a goalkeeper is going to get. Just a simple matter of just like we have to spend time working on footwork and handling and handling crosses and, and all these other things. So you just yep. can't expect the same same amount. Um, it seems like the modern goal kick now is becoming very much a short play type of situation and kind of the the old school, you know, lump the ball long is kind of no longer a thing that's happening. So why is the spot kick kind of goal kick becoming evolving into this kind of this new wave goal kick since the way it used to be in the last 10 years? Well, I think, I think the obvious answer is teams like Man City, teams like Barcelona, teams like et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that are, have been successfully playing out of the back for a long time and just trying to adapt uh, based on the dominance that some of these teams have had and how successful they've been at doing it, it only makes sense that the game would evolve in that direction. Yeah, I think I think also another good point that we need to bring up with this too is that, you know, you talk to youth players all the time, and especially younger kids, it used to be the question would be, how long can you hit that goal kick? You know, they'd always ask you, right, Patrick? Like when you were, you know, as a pro, like, you know, kids would come up to you and they'd be say, one of the first questions they would ask you is like, how far can you hit your goal kicks? How far can you <laughs> hit your punts? You know, because it was all about the power and the distance and all that. 
And now, because of this new wave of goalkeeping, kids aren't asking that anymore. They're like, oh, can you hit a side volley? Can you hit that ball, you know, to that outside wing, you know, on a rope? You know, that that's what they all want to know now. Totally. So it's almost like kids now are going to start working on this and kind of that art of being able to s- string a long ball is going to be lost. So do you feel kids still need to work on that long ball? A hundred percent. And okay. here's why. Um, yes. Yeah, This the, the game is evolving to where this is becoming incredibly important to pay, to play in the short and mid range very effectively. And I think you should definitely be working on that. However, look at what makes a guy like Ederson so dangerous. And I'm going to say dangerous because he, and he's a goalkeeper. What makes him dangerous is that at any moment, this dude could hit an 80 yard ball behind the opposing line. So if I'm, if I'm a team that's pressuring I have to be really, really weary of that. And yeah, he's going to hit it at a time that's going to surprise you. And maybe he'll get an assist or whatever it is. But if you have the ability to not only play these short balls, these mid-range balls, because honestly, you become predictable and very much so predictable because now if I'm an attacking team, I can put everybody in there in your half. And you have to play this essentially 11 v 11 possession in half of the field so if i have the opportunity to strike a ball behind your line to an oncoming forward that's going to make me so much more dangerous and and so much more effective uh in this in this in this uh what's the word i'm looking for climate this goalkeeping climate yeah, and, and talking about this goalkeeping climate and the new rule change, I want to talk about, you were just talking about, you know, looking for your players and, and picking out your points and everything. Where would you, I'm seeing a lot of with this new goal kick, I'm seeing a lot of players, uh, goalkeepers, and I know you guys can't see this because I'm going to visually do this as I'm standing here. Don't worry, we will start streaming the show soon, guys, and you guys will get to see all of this in its glory. <laughs> but uh, a lot of times we're playing outside back on one side, another outside back on the other side, or a center back one one spot and then an, and then a wide player the other and then the goalkeeper's basically almost like a quarterback making a decision where they're playing that ball uh, based on how the defense you know lines up for that and, and what they think is going to be the best most opportune time how would you line up your 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 backs now in, in this kind of new modern world Patrick so I would say if possession is the ultimate goal let's find where the where there's the most space so typically um, a defending in this scenario team is going to push up to almost the corners of your 18. They're going to have their two forwards up there. They're probably going to have somebody marking your holding center mid. So what I think works the best here is you have your, your holding center mid, maybe your, um, your attacking mid running off into some space that's created uh, towards the middle of the, of the, uh, of the area there. But to keep your center backs way wide almost almost parallel um with your six yard box but you know wide. i mean with the rule change i don't know to be honest like i've i've practiced this so much with uh the 18 yard rule in place that it's weird isn't it it? is like i i just going back in my head that i have to think about how it's going to be the most effective now it's almost like small-sided soccer yeah it's almost like playing sevens or something like that you know, and and maybe like because this has changed so recently, I'm not the most qualified to answer this question. But the uh, but you were the most local to answer this question. <laughs> and that's why you're on the podcast to do that. Totally. Um, but I, I would think space is key, right? Space is key in any possession scenario. So um, I would say find find the opportunities where you have the most space, the most time. Uh, not only based on. Uh, your lineup, but how you're being pressured as well. So let's just talk about goal kicks in general, uh, you know, because obviously the new rule, you know, it is, it is so new and, you know, you've played with the, the old rule for so many years and so have I, where are the best places to look on a goal kick for a goalkeeper? So if, if the, if the message is built out at any cost, uh, personally, if I can connect a, a shorter pass, then I'm going to do that because that's going to have the the least opportunity for turnover because I'm pretty confident I can play this ball 15 yards on the ground. Um, however, you know, if those opportunities, those, um, 
opportunities aren't there. You know, the clipped ball out to the uh, the wingers, that's always a good option. Um, you know, that's maybe a 25, 30-yard ball. Uh, so most, most guys, especially at the professional level, can hit that pretty effectively, uh, pretty accurately. Um, I'm a big fan of the, uh, the passing to the, the center midfielder if they're, if they're competent in, in dealing with that situation, which I've been fortunate enough to play with a lot of guys who are. Um, and I really like that ball because everybody squeezes in, and a lot of times they'll end up just bumping it out wide and then you break that first first line or two of pressure. Now you're talking about if they're deeper though because my I'm I'm I don't know about you but I'm I'm scared about playing that ball down the middle short. I like it. I you, mean okay. I you, you need to practice it. Like don't don't just don't just go out there and gunsling it. Like know know who you're playing with. That's a big thing. That's a big part of all of this of of playing out of playing out in any situation, any team. You got to know who you're dealing with. If there's a guy who's not good with his back to goal, don't play it to him because you're going to end up being the one who looks stupid, not him. Um, so, yeah, make make the best decisions you can based on personnel. I like that ball because, like I said earlier, it's a 15-yard ball on the ground. It's not. It doesn't take a, you know, a genius or a, <laughs> a prodigy to make this pass, right? Yeah. I, I just... I'm just always so scared and maybe, and maybe, and again, that's why I love having you on because you've played at that higher, higher level and where guys are very competent and they can handle that ball. I know at the lower levels when I've played, you know, uh, you know, lower USL or PDL or whatever, you know, the risk versus the reward there sometimes, I mean, especially saw some, sometimes the fields that we're playing on aren't, aren't the, the grass that you guys played on in the yep. MLS, you know? Yeah. So, um. yeah, no, that's, that's all things you really need to take into account and, uh, and if it's not on, like I'm a big proponent of if it's not there, don't don't create something that's not there. Just just play play what is there. You're you're paid to make good decisions or paid or you're playing because you make good decisions. So eventually you all get paid. That's what we're gonna do. Everybody who's listening to the podcast is eventually gonna become a professional goalkeeper. And I uh, hope so. I mean, that's our goal, guys. If you don't become a professional goalkeeper, like, should we give like a guarantee? Like, like a <laughs> terrible not. infomercials where they're like, if you don't become a professional, we'll give you your money back and you spent <laughs> nothing on this podcast. So you get nothing. So back. you get nothing. <laughs> um, all right. Let's talk about the new rule change and whether the center back, because sometimes you don't, you never saw this with the old rule change, the old rule. Most goalkeepers would play the ball. They would not uh, let their center back play the ball. But now with the new rule change, are you better off just letting your center back put the ball down and play it rather than the goalkeeper? Oh, man. I know I'm stumping you right here. Putting you on the spot. Out of ego, I would say, you know, I want to play that. But at the same time, like guys guys who have played at a good level, played on a lot of teams, um, you know that it can't be about ego. And it's got to be about how how to most effectively execute the game plan. And if that's if that's what your coach wants, that's what your you know that that's the that's the message then yeah you got to you got to do that but at the same time i would think from a technical perspective that doesn't make a lot of sense to me because now you have two guys that are committing to the same space because i'm always going to have to be kind of in that space to protect you if you give the ball away cheaply you know so what's the benefit of cuz i've seen this at the new goal kick rule what's the benefit of just playing a lateral ball three yards to your center back why not okay i mean if if that's the situation that's on the ball's already in play it's it's kind of like playing small-sided in that respect uh you you can just you can do that and if he has time and space and he's not getting closed down by somebody why not why not play that ball i'm sure you know depending on the center back they can probably handle it they know what they're going to do with it next and and that's a good option yeah now Obviously, you, you didn't get to play with this, this rule change because it, it going into effect in the middle of the, the summer, which was a weird time for FIFA to throw a new rule change. You would think they would wait until like January 1st or like, you know, the beginning of the EPL season because let's just be honest, everything revolves around the English Premier League <laughs> uh, in the world of soccer. And, um, and they chose to do it in the middle of the summer, and I think it was because they wanted the FIFA tournaments to have the new rule change and be able to use that. Uh, for it, but then some leagues already who had already been in, in season like MLS, USL, just said, you know what, we're not going to do this. NWSL, um, 
would it have changed the way that you have played goal kicks? I mean, honestly, uh, the more I think about it sitting here, it's, it changes a lot to, to be totally honest. I mean, there's a lot of things that we went through, um, say in Chicago, for example, where you're looking for specific spaces and specific balls to play. I mean, this really changes the whole layout of playing out of the back because yeah, there's a lot more options, but there's a lot more potential to be closed down too. I mean, it's, it's really interesting and it's going to be really interesting to, to see how this all plays out. Um, you know, with teams moving forward. And I think right now you're seeing a lot of goals being given up because it's so new and it's so foreign and goalkeepers are still learning how to play it. But again, I mean, from I, when I talk to old school goalkeepers and they talk about the pass back rule, you know, that, that <laughs> came into play in the nineties that right. they just like, they said, you should have seen those gave those pro games at the beginning. It was like goalkeepers who had literally never played with their feet before. Yeah. It was like, these are guys who like, or, or women who hadn't literally their whole lives had been told like, yeah, just become a goalkeeper. Like you don't have to worry about the ball. You know, uh, obviously it sped up the game quite a bit, but it took a little bit of an adjustment period. And I think it's going to take sure. a little bit of an adjustment period here. I think overall it's, it's going to be better. It's going to, it's going to speed up the game. I like that small sided you know, note that you brought up because the cool thing about playing small sided soccer that we all love is the speed of the play. It's, right. it's happening so fast and you got to make quick decisions. And I think it's going to benefit youth keepers because they're going to have to learn how to make decisions rather than just lump a ball long and hope for the best. Because a lot of young goalkeepers, they just hit balls that they literally don't even know where they're hitting that ball. They're just yeah. like, let me hit it as far as possible as opposed to trying to find a target player. Um, so let's talk about youth players real quickly, and, and before we, we move on into, into the weekend goalkeeping, what are three things that you would tell young goalkeepers right now to focus on with this rule change? I mean, so I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily due to the, the rule change, but I think, um, you know, a, a way to enforce what I would suggest uh, would be the, the rule change, and that would be um, play play out in the field, play uh, any other position as much as you can also in addition to whatever goalkeeping work that you're doing because that's very, very important. Um, the handling stuff, the angle stuff, that, that's all very important. I would say, however, get into possession, get into these, um, these drills with your team so you can focus on making good decisions and passing good balls and the technical aspects that go into being a good field player because if you have those chances are you going to be more effective in this in this switch so just just play center mid guys that's all you got to do yeah just play center mid no i mean I, seriously I, 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 it's should. not a joke it's like honestly it's going to develop so many different skill sets that you don't have right now just by being a goalkeeper yeah and and it's why i always stress to younger players play positions that you're not comfortable in because it's only going to make you better in the positions that you do feel comfortable in, regardless of whether you're a goalkeeper or a field player. You know, if you're a forward play left back, if you don't, if you don't like tackling, learn what it's like, you know, learn what it's like to mark, you know, maybe so, a lot of forwards actually should learn how to mark <laughs> off that point. I, I, I mean, Michael knows this. I grew up playing half forward, half striker. And so I always felt like being good at one made me even better at the other because not only when I was a striker did I know what goalkeepers were thinking in these moments, these crucial moments, but as a goalkeeper, I also knew what strikers were thinking. Um, and that's just, that's just an example of how you know playing out of your position or in a different scenario can really help um, create some... Um, mortar to build these you know these these structures in your mind of how to become the the best uh, the best player goalkeeper that you can be you know I'm so I, I honestly like I feel so bad for every single like youth club in Wisconsin that had to deal with you at half striker <laughs> half goalkeeper because they must have just been like, oh, dude, oh, oh, good, they're pulling that dude. Oh, wait, he's going in the goal. Oh, my gosh, he can stop the ball. <laughs> like, not only is he scoring on us, but he's also stopping us from scoring. Like, they literally must have just been like, this is not fair. Honestly, that's that's what I used to do. They used to put me in forward uh, for the first half of the game, and I used to, you know, not toot my own horn. I, I'd, I'd score some goals. 
uh, and then they'd stick me at goal half uh, the second half, and uh, I'd protect that lead. <laughs> Every time uh, I would go in as the goalkeeper, they would always be like, "Oh, cool, they're putting a field player in." As in, like, they just assumed, like, this guy's not a goalkeeper. And then, like, I would actually have to, like, all of a sudden I would start making saves, and they would be like, oh, oh, that was a goalkeeper. He's just very small and frail and not that good. All right. That's, uh, that's what that was. That's why that guy wasn't playing on the field earlier. It wasn't like a, it wasn't like a tactical decision uh, on that coach's part. Um, all right, let's move on to guys that, uh, that, that can play on the field. And uh, that is uh, the U.S. national team. Well, actually, that could be up to debate, according to some people Oof. out there. Man, people have been brutal on the Oof. U.S. national team, haven't they? It just, it just, and you can't, you know, you're 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 damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Oh, yep. It, it seems like with the with the U.S. men's national team, I don't want to go too far on the U.S. Mexico game because I feel like every pundit in the world has talked this game down to death, and a lot of people who aren't really, let's just say. Um, they really shouldn't be talking about Zach Steffen from a goalkeeping standpoint because they, they really have no no right to uh, have been giving their their two cents. So l- us as goalkeepers, we're going to give our two cents real quickly uh, and break down uh, the goal on the distribution. We all know it from now. Uh, it's the ball to Aaron Long on the buildup, decision off playing that ball. Um, he tries to play it interior uh, to Aaron Long, you know, from the from the pass back, and uh, it leads to Eric Gutierrez receiving an easy finish from outside the box to the corner. Uh, let's just break it down real quick, uh, Patrick. What are your thoughts? So this is, you know, and I, I say this all the time, but this is tough because I'm sure the message is play out at all costs. And and to Zach's credit, he's incredibly good at playing out. I've played against him a number of times. I mean, he is very good at this. See, this is what I love about having Patrick on here. It's not just like hyperbole. It's like he's like, yeah, I actually know this dude. I've like played against him just like five months ago. So anyway. yeah, he's a he's a great guy too. Yeah. Um. So, with that being said, yeah, does does he hit Aaron? I yeah, he does. And I mean, if I'm being hypercritical, I think. You know, maybe maybe they can get out of that situation. Should Long have been able to hold on to that ball? Yeah, is that it, a bad? Should he, was that he more responsible than Zach basically in that situation? Um, it's hard to say. It's a tough. It's a tough ball. It's a tough area to give away. Um, you know, to give away that sort of opportunity. Uh, if I'm if I'm being hypercritical, then I think you know he does he does hit him. Maybe he's not he's not expecting him to do that. But if the message is play out at all costs, then at the same time, not only should the goalkeeper be ready to play out at all costs, but they should be ready for any scenario, right? If I mean, that's that's how I view it, and I'm a goalkeeper, so I'm always going to have the goalkeeper side on these things. And uh, yeah, it's it's a tough ball, but at the same time, he he does hit Aaron. Like, no, eh. no, it's it's he didn't miss hit. He didn't miss hit the ball. It's not like the ball went flying somewhere. He did make contact with Long. Long didn't keep possession. Um, you know, I, do I play that ball? Probably not, but I also don't have the skill set that Zach does. And I also aren't, am not playing Greggy ball, uh, which, uh, I know total soccer show is trademarked. So <laughs> we'll, we'll give that to them right there. Uh, but I just, you know, I just think the risk versus again, I, I always go back to risk reward and in that situation, just pressure, especially with the, the momentum, the way the game was going with Mexico, I would have just played that ball long and wide. A hundred percent. And and honestly, I would have too. And, you know, sometimes that is the message from your coaches and sometimes that's not. And I've been in situations where, because I'm a big, big proponent of risk versus reward. Like, I would much rather boot that ball 75 yards down the field than try to keep it in this scenario because... I know it's going to take them an awful lot longer from 75 yards away to get back to my goal than if I give it away on the 18. However, there are there are coaches who will put you on the bench if you don't do exactly what they tell you to do. And I've been in that scenario with Chicago. I decided to go long on a ball that my coach thought I should have played short, and I saw the bench for the rest of the season. So it's, I mean, it's, it's kind of a catch-22 here. Yeah, and you know, I mean, a lot of people will also say, "Well, it is a friendly, and we're trying to build something here, and we're getting ready for Nations League, which is in October, and those games count." And so, we'd rather make these mistakes now than make them in in the games that are actually relevant. And I, I, I would you agree on that? Yeah, I think I think this is the perfect opportunity to 
um, get to know your teammates, get to know what they can handle, what they can't handle. And, you know, Aaron and Zach have, have been playing together for, you know, a few years now, um, both, you know, part of the, uh, the starting men's national team and you know, just, just getting used to, um, you know, what, what the, the players around you do and what their tendencies are and what they can handle, what they can't handle. I mean, this is the perfect opportunity. Yeah. It sucks that we lost in Mexico, but we didn't lose to him at a time that matters yet. You know? So if- I think that's just the ego thing. That's the ego thing on us soccer fans is that we, we, we can't lose to Mexico. We think it's such a big deal as if, if that had been, if it, if it had been flip-flopped, if we had lost three nil to Uruguay, would people care? Probably not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I'm glad that we didn't lose three nil to Uruguay. Cause that, it seems like there was some, some progress made between, uh, you know, the game against Mexico and the game against Uruguay. But yeah, I mean, of course it's Mexico. We want to, we want to match their macho, you know? And, uh, yeah, it's, it is what it is. So now in the Mexico game, I, I, again, I want to move off this game real quickly, but I do want to give a shout out to Jonathan Orozco, you know, the Monterey keeper, um, you didn't have a lot to do in that game, but he did come up with a huge penalty kick save on Josh Sargent and to Sargent's credit, it was a well hit ball. It wasn't like a badly hit ball. I just think that, uh, what happened is, uh, by the way, this is the one that Jordan Morris, uh, you know, he won that. That PK, so shout out to Jordan Morris, who actually had a, a really good camp and a really good uh, international break for the U.S. I'm actually really excited to see him. He, I think playing on the wing is like a perfect place for him, by the way. Um, but basically what happens is uh, Orozco starts leaning, but he doesn't lose his balance, and then the shoot only happens after Sargent strikes it with his weight forward and the power with the wrist. I think it was just a good PK overall. Yeah, totally. I mean, <clears throat> part of this is head games, and... If, if you can send a message to them that maybe you're off balance going this direction or, you know, maybe maybe there's uh, something that they see that you create for them to see to make it more predictable for yourself, then you're going to be a step ahead, if that makes sense. And in these situations, these penalty kicks especially, it's all about how can I gain just a little bit of edge? How can I get in that player's head just a little bit, whether it's subconscious or consciously um, creating a situation that is, uh, is more advantageous for yourself? Patrick, just you yourself, you know, when you've been in these positions before, is it easier to stop a PK save when your team has the momentum and your team has the lead? Not necessarily. PKs are weird, man. I mean, sometimes there's just straight assassins, right? There's there's guys that are just too good at PKs, and they are straight assassins. It doesn't matter which, what the situation is in the game, who's winning, who's losing. I mean, there's some guys that are just are that good at at PKs. You know, if and a lot of it you can tell. I mean, personally, I can tell how confident they are. You know, and uh, before the penalty kicks even kicked, I mean, if your team has, has momentum and you can see in their face that they're really feeling this pressure, it's like, yeah, man, I got you. And, uh, you know, but there's other situations where it's not necessarily that predictable. Yeah, I and PKs are just such a such a weird animal. And honestly, you know, I, I, I hate them. I know a lot of goalkeepers love them. And, uh, you know, we've talked a lot on about PKs on this show before, and I'm sure we'll talk about PKs again. But what I do want to do is I want to finally move on because shout-out to the United States, much better result yesterday against Uruguay. Uh, I was actually pretty happy with a lot of what I saw in that game. I know a lot of people have been burning people like Serginho Dest. He's 18 years old, dude. He's playing for – starting for Ajax. Um, you know, he's going he's gonna to make his mistakes, but I think there's a lot of upside with him. And uh, to be honest with you, it was like we just – it's 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 like courting him. It's like we want to get him to you know take that call up in October so he gets cap tied and uh, and uh, takes that orange uh, jersey as far away from him as possible. Um, let's talk about the performance. I, actually, before I get into the U.S., I just want to talk about Fernando Muslera for Uruguay. So I've always been a big fan of his. I know Patrick and I, you know, we've talked about him off the air. Very solid goalkeeper. Plays for Galatasaray in the Turkish Superliga. A lot of people don't watch that league, so they see him in Champions League or Europa or an international competition. He's just been class for, for so long. Yeah, I I mean, he is he is really special. Um, 
we were just talking before the show. There was a situation that in the U.S. game where um, I think it was a first-time ball that got hit across the face, and you can see in his in his eyes and his processing is so quick that he goes from okay, I'm 100% parrying this ball to okay, I can catch this, no worries, and that and one of the things that when you've studied goalkeeping as long as myself or Michael has you can kind of see what they're thinking in their eyes and in their body language as as these situations arise and for me his ability to process information so quickly even on the goal we scored like he's so close to that and that's so impressive for me because that is that is a totally defunct lucky crazy play but he's inches away from making an unbelievable save on that and I know almost counts for Jack all in soccer but I mean he's almost there yeah I mean and and I think that's the thing that you you point to is that his footwork and his movement inside the box so sharp so sharp the the the, the, the play that uh that the Patrick was talking about was the Tyler Boyd service who you know, and this is a goalkeeping podcast, but I think, I think we need to figure out what's going on with Tyler Boyd. And um, you know, he's. I think he's being. I don't think he's being utilized properly in, in Greg's system. I think based on his his strengths right now. But but that's another episode, uh, or another show actually. Yeah, probably um, another show. Probably another show. <laughs> Sorry, that was just our. When we start talking U.S., I start venting. Um, <laughs> but it was good service from Tyler Boyd in, into Jordan Morris, um, and that header driven low. A lot of goalkeepers just slap it away. They don't even process all of that. So that that's just that next level. So let's talk about, for, for instance, from that next level type of thing. There was another one, uh, a point blank header low from Rodon from uh, Legette Service. I think it was in the 11th. It was actually early in the game, which could have completely changed the game. He dropped quick, got recovered easily, but he held shape so well that he was not able to get, he didn't give up a bad rebound. You know, a lot of times, a lot of goalkeepers, their shape gets lost as they go down. And because of that, they bobble a bad rebound. And I think that's the, that's that next level type of goalkeeping. You're talking about the one on Guzan. Yeah. No, I'm talking about the, no, I'm talking about the, the, oh, okay. the, the Muslera ball. Um, the one that uh, Christian Roldan hit on Muslera. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 Yep. So I thought that he just dropped Kerr. Look, he's, got clean hands his decision making is good he's he's a solid keeper i wish he played in a, in a league that i got to see all the time i don't watch a lot of turkish superliga i think i need to get that gold tv subscription or maybe i should get fubo tv so i can watch the cooligans <laughs> uh fubo tv sponsor us um that's a that's a weird plug right there <laughs> in the middle um, it's a little shameless but yeah. hey oh, yeah. you know let's talk about brad guzan right here we were talking earlier uh let's talk about the spill in the first half the breakdown in the 22nd that was a weird way that ball dropped. Um, basically, what happened is there was a little flicked ball into the box. And it looks like he tried to front smother it, but the ball kind of was too far away. And then then Vecino tries to take a shot after that, but that's neither here nor there. It was more about the spill that led to that scoring opportunity. Yeah, that's, that's a really tough one to give up. And I watched it a few times. And I think, <laughs> granted, guys, guys everywhere, guys and girls everywhere, these situations they happen you know and and maybe that ball got slightly deflected or whatever it was that threw off the exact flight of it because I've been in these situations and it's really tough to read those balls that are are diving for the ground so quickly um I don't necessarily think front smother was the right way to go it's it was probably best that he was in a front smother situation for the next situation um However, I think he he almost takes his eye or his mind off it for a fraction of a second because he thinks he has it. That's that's what I see. I mean, I see a guy who's who's ready to make the next play because this is a relatively easy um, easy ball in that maybe wasn't quite as easy as he anticipated. I we talked about this earlier off the air, but a lot of goalkeepers have a tendency when it and I'm I'm I give up so many goals like this and and it's all on me. It's all on me and my for lack of a better term to say I guess cockiness or arrogance to just assume that the ball's already in the red basket <laughs> and I'm already looking for the distribution. And I think there was a situation when with Portugal 
uh, where Ethan Horvath last year in a friendly uh, at the end of the Sarakin era where a ball started dropping and he went into a smother and he already it looked like he was already on to the next play and because of that the ball rattled underneath him Yeah. Um, because it had a little movement on it. And young goalkeepers out there, this is why I stress make sure that your nose and chin are already in that ball and you're seeing that ball before you look to make your next play. Totally. Watch it. Watch it all the way in. Um, I think I think the most common advice that I give to goalkeepers is watch it all the way in. Secure it. Watch the ball. Keep your eyes on the ball. Whatever the cost. I mean, yeah, sometimes you need a hit in a scenario like that, maybe from an oncoming forward. No, that's foul. Um, yeah, watch it all the way in. Secure it. Then move on to what you need to do next. Let's talk about the goal real quick. I don't want to go too far off on the goal. Um, again, I don't want to beat up on Brad Guzan or Zach Stefan or any of the national team goalkeepers because I honestly think that they're doing a great job in the pool. They're the best we have in the country. I mean, so, you know, again, guys, you know, let's focus on the positives rather than the negatives with these goalkeepers because goalkeepers get enough negativity. They don't need it coming from goalkeepers too. You know, I see you guys on Twitter bashing so-and-so, bashing so-and-so, and I go, okay, put yourself in your that situation. Tell me what, how you would have dealt with it because do you also – you also know you have to take into consideration 30,000 people staring at you. Uh, coaches, uh, tactical, you know, we were just talking about, you know, what, what they're asking you to do in regards to the system of the play, all of that. Um, the goal, I want to know from Patrick's opinion because he's been there and I haven't, was Brad Guzan, and this was the Brian Rodriguez shot from the near post where, the, where he kind of comes in and he's just, it's a bullet. But was Brad Guzan a little too high? In, in my opinion, I thought he was a little too high. I mean, and he opened up that gap because of it. So yeah, yeah, that's that's tough. I can't I can't speak to whether or not he was in the exact right position or not. I mean, he's he's a, like we said, an incredible goalkeeper. He's done this for a long time. He knows the spots that he needs to hit. Um, and there's a lot that goes into these situations. And and guys, for those that, for those of you trolls who are like, oh yeah, I can do that. Like, hey, maybe you could do. Maybe you could do it once, but you can't do all the different trials that led him to be playing in that game at that moment because that's why he's there. And that's that's so, so important to remember is he has gone through so many things in order to get to where he is. Yeah, would you say that that's, that's a, a big thing when it comes to getting international call-ups is, is that you've been showing the consistency throughout your entire club career that they say, you know what, we can rely on you and we can um, trust you in these situations and games. 100%. I would say that he is 100% a guy that you can rely on and you can trust in these situations. As for the goal, I can't personally say whether or not he was in the right position or not. The dude blasted it across the face of goal. He hit side netting. Um, you know, above shoulder level, that's, I've seen Brad Guzan make that save. Yeah, I think we all have seen that save made uh, specifically by him because it, it goes in on most goalkeepers. And on this situation, on this day, he, you know, it, it just didn't, he just didn't keep it out. Yeah, and the reason he's there is because he's been having great form for Atlanta. Uh, honestly, this MLS season's been really awesome. Uh, yeah. Both, both the Eastern Conference and Western Conference have been phenomenal, but the Western Conference really is such a dogfight right now. And I came across an article that I thought was really cool, and it was talking about the 10 most underrated players in Major League Soccer. And Steve Clark was in there. And uh, I want to ask you, Patrick, you know, you, you obviously know Steve, you know, why has he been so instrumental for Portland this year in, in a really tough Western Conference where I think they're, in, I think, three point, points out from second place and in, in, in a playoff position, so which is still great. So one of the things that I really like about Steve is, he, you know, he's such a he's he's so good at the things that he's good at, and he's for the most part really well rounded. I mean, not only is he incredibly quick in net, I mean, he covers a lot of ground. He's not he's not a super big guy, but he's wiry, he's athletic, he's quick. He makes he makes for the most part very good decisions, um, and he makes saves that change games I mean that's that's probably the the biggest compliment that I can give to any goalkeeper is he makes saves that change games and change momentum and and give your team the ability to push forward and win a game um, 
I mean, not to mention he's very solid with his feet. I mean, like he grew up or, I mean, he had a a considerable stint with Columbus, I I believe during Burhalter too, right? Yeah, he did. And, and he was successful in that system because he was able to play out with his feet and, and, and do the right things on the ball as well. And he's, he's, he's been all over the place, uh, as far as his career has gone, you know, he's been overseas for a bit in Columbus for quite a while. And, um, you know, he was behind Antonella. I mean, before that he was in DC. Oh, that's and right. Like, and then, then he, then he made that move over to uh, Scandinavia. Yeah. Right? Okay. Well, he was in DC. He, he came back from Scandinavia. He was in DC Okay. and then he got traded to Portland. Okay. So he was behind Hamid in DC. Yeah. Well, Hamid and, oh, uh, I don't remember if Osted was. Oh, that's two right. Osted right. was there too. I forgot yeah. about that. I mean, man, DC. Pretty pretty strong goalkeeper yeah. squad. There. Pretty strong goalkeepers. <laughs> that was wow. That was phenomenal, man. Um, and you know, he, him, and Antonella, you know, have kind of been battling it out, you know, for one, you know, for the one and the two in Portland. I think they're both very solid goalkeepers. I think they've they both done, had very good MLS careers. Would you say the reason that that Steve is is kind of just a kind of hitting this stride right now is because he's dealt with that adversity of, of playing overseas and doing so well. And then, you know, he even got a national team call up, I think, because of uh, of his performance over in Scandinavia, didn't he? Um, I, I don't remember. Yeah. I, you know, I honestly. I might be making that up in my head, just hoping for Steve that he did, because uh, he should have, because uh, he was in, in, in rare form. Um, and honestly, both of those guys are, are really good and are really effective in that system. I think maybe the reason why Steve Clark has just managed to to keep his, his spot in in the starting position there is sometimes it just comes down to if the team plays better when you're in net or when the other guy's in net. And, you know, it's up to coaches to make those decisions and, and see those trends. And I think I think that's more the case. I, I don't necessarily think Steve's any better than Antonella. I think they're both incredibly strong goalkeepers. But I think that the team has overall played better with Steve in net. And I think that's – that's really sometimes what it comes down to. And uh, and you can't fault Jeff Antonella for that. You, you know, you just kind of tip your hat and say, you know what, that's the coach's decision. I'm, you know you've been in that position before yep. too, and, and, and you just got to just keep working. Uh, let's move on to NWSL. And uh, first off, I want to give a shout-out to Aubrey Bledsoe. Um, you know, we talk about her all on the show. What's up, Aubrey? I know you listen. Um, goalkeeper, uh, you know, of the month, team of the month uh, for NWSL. She's played all 90 minutes in five games for the month of August. She had 13 saves in the month, including a four-save effort in her opening game on the month. Uh, she's second in the league for most saves at 64, which, again, sometimes we say isn't the best statistic. Uh, actually, first is Caitlin Sheridan, a friend of the show as well, too. And uh, that's just because, you know, Stive Blue, it's been, a, it's been a tough rebuilding season for them. But she's been phenomenal out there. And, I mean, Caitlin's just such a next-level goalkeeper. But um, just – Really, congrats, Aubrey. You've you've been phenomenal. We can't wait to see you. Hopefully, get called in. Uh, you know, once the victory tour is over and uh, and the U.S. starts going into its next cycle and getting ready for the Olympics, because I think you deserve a shot at camp. Um, I want to talk about uh the game, the Utah Portland game, NWSL right now. It's coming kind of down to the nitty gritty, and uh, Utah is in playoff position right now. Portland's obviously flying high, and Nicole Barnhart, you know, who's an older goalkeeper, a veteran goalkeeper, has really come on strong you know she she took over the number one uh whether it's out of necessity or, or coach's decision um in utah and uh she ended up with save of the week this week which was pretty awesome but i, I want to just talk about the game in general because the thing i love about nicole is that e- even though she is and she's such a smart goalkeeper she knows how to make good decisions so let's kind of break down some of these plays first uh i want to talk about the the save of the week first then the 54th minute the lob ball inside sent low Lindsay Horan again, and the movement was solid on that ball, and she just pushed that ball away. But Patrick, you brought up a big point. Where was her defense in this situation? Oh man, I'm I'm looking at that play, and I'm like, oh my goodness, what are you guys, guys, relatively speaking, I mean, girls in this situation, what are you thinking? Get up, like get up. And I I don't know if that's a communication thing from her. I'm sure she's screaming at him. She's you know, like you said, it. She's a veteran goalkeeper. She's she's been doing this for a, a number of years. I'm sure she's screaming at him. Why are they not getting up? Because that is a hundred percent 
an avoidable save. And I mean, taking zero away from the save because that's a great save. And so many players, they maybe take a step forward in this situation and they can't even react to that ball at all. She takes a drop step, is able to uh, you know, move quickly across the line and do the right thing in that situation. But man, oh man, you defenders, you gotta, you gotta get up. You gotta get up so that these, these don't happen. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Cause you know, um, I know Barney, she, she won't throw her, her, her defenders under, under the bus right there. You know, um, I will say, you know, that, uh, that let's just say it's, it's unfortunate sometimes when, when teams make it, uh, let's just say more difficult for the goalkeeper than it should be. And uh, and then you that's when you have to really shake the goalkeeper's hand and be like, hey, you know what? You're the reason we got these points out of here. I want to talk about the ball that uh, Tobin Heath played in on the cross uh, in the 39th. Uh, Tobinho, as we all know, has ridiculous skill on the ball. She plays a great ball in. Um, it's to it's to Sinclair, who we know is a killer inside the box and punishes teams all the time. It's flicked at close range. Great reaction save over the bar, in my opinion, from Barney. Yeah, I I mean, hundred percent, hundred percent concur. That was, uh, she's in the right spot. She does the right movement. It the veteran, uh, the veteran goalkeeping in this situation is spot on. Like she knows, she knows exactly where she's supposed to be, and she she reacts perfectly to this ball. I mean, yeah, I, there's not there's not much more you can say about that. I think I think it's one of those things where a lot of times young goalkeepers they'll they'll be in this situation and they panic. And veteran goalkeepers like yourself or Barney, you don't panic because you've seen this. It's the reps. It's the reps over and over again. And that we were talking about with the Brad Guzan, that's why he's playing at that national team level. It's the reps, and he's seen these scenarios before, so he can deal with them. Uh, she stands her ground. She stands her ground. Right. And um, because of that, because she stays big. The ball's hit at her, and she's able to react. So I have a quick story. Um, one of the most impressive things that I've I've seen in terms of goalkeeping was last year with Chicago, we went to Bayern Munich, and we played a friendly against Bayern Munich. And at the time, I had, I had a really significant hamstring injury, and I was out for four months. So I unfortunately... right across the box great ball to our our leading scoring striker like you expect this guy to score 10 out of 10 on this situation and Neuer just stands his ground he's he's he just knows he's in the right spot and he reacts and and Nico runs up to this ball he hits it hard and low like he always does and he always scores and Neuer just he looks like he looks like he just strolled off Manhattan Beach. Like he looks more calm than ninety percent of the people that I see in normal everyday life. And he's in front of eighty thousand people. And that was so impressive to me because you can't react when you're tense. That is that is actually it's so much harder for you to react correctly when you're tense. And this is one of the big reasons why veteran goalkeepers are are so good in situations like this uh, this game because they're re- relaxed enough to react appropriately. Yeah, and and I think a lot of goalkeepers they just they're ahead of they're ahead of the moment or they're so in their head about the moment like oh my gosh this is going to keep. If this goal goes in, all of a sudden now we're it, now it's a completely different game type of a thing, as opposed to just dealing with the moment right there. And uh, you know, one one thing that Todd Hofford you know said uh, to to a young goalkeeper once is that said just you know take a breath, take a breath uh, when you set because it's going to completely relax your body um, before before the shot is hit. And now you're no longer got all that intent all that. In- you know, and I think a lot of it has to do with the you know when you see these pulsing goalkeepers nowadays, and they're always pulsing and stuff. It's yeah. this nervous energy, and sometimes it could benefit you to have that energy to be able to drive and explode. Right. But you're not really thinking. You're just now. You're just you know that. That relaxed intensity is going to allow you to play at that optimal level. Yeah. There you go. And that's that's it right there from Patrick. Optimal level comes from 
having that intensity, but that relaxation at the same time. Um, all right, guys, we're, we're running long here. We've been going for quite a while. I know there's a lot going on. We got the European season starting back up this, this weekend. So we'll definitely start diving into, into those leagues. Cause I know a lot of you all care. Again, we talked about it guys, you know, if you're if you're a big Euro snob and you watch just the English Premier League and La Liga and Serie A and Bundesliga and stuff, you know, take this international break time to watch some Major League Soccer because Major League Soccer doesn't take a break. Major League Soccer keeps going. Power through. It powers through. And so let let's talk about that real quickly, Patrick, because when these international breaks happen and MLS keeps going, it gives the opportunity to a lot of goalkeepers that don't necessarily get the chance to play during the regular season when they're the number ones are there, but when they go off international duty, they get these games. Um, how beneficial is that to these goalkeepers? I mean, that's contract time for you uh, to be, uh, to be totally frank like that. Those are the, the games where your coaches get to look and see, okay, are you, are you our guy in that spot for the future? And if you do really well, are you that guy that could maybe help us, now and in playing um you know as the season goes on and can you take that job um but you know that can work both ways so make sure that you're doing all the right things day to day so that you're ready for those situations when they come so if you're a number two or three at an mls club and uh and you know a goalkeeper goes off on an international break you know just really listen to this guys and 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 take you know grab that by the horns i guess that's i think that's the term um have you seen goalkeepers actually win the job while the other goalkeeper goes off international duty um i don't know if that was necessarily the uh, the situation that i've seen i mean i i saw uh tarbell in i think it was a, a few years ago now he played in an open cup game against kc and just had had the game of his life and that and that puts in the heads of coaches, okay, maybe he's a better choice than I think at the time Bingham. And, uh, I, you know, Bingham was having some ups and downs with his form at the time. And if that's the scenario and you play well and you do these games and, and don't get me wrong, don't put so much pressure on yourself to do well because that's not going to go well. Get into a, a rhythm where you're training well, you're doing the right things. You see yourself being successful. Don't take it from a sense that, oh, oh my gosh, I need to, I really, really need to do really, really well because that's that's going to have the absolute opposite effect. I think we should do an episode on that, dude. I think we should do, an, not necessarily MLS internationals leaving and then, you know, player coming in, but I think we should do an episode for the audience and contact it inside the 18media.com, guys, if, or DM us if, if you do want to hear this episode. But I think we should do an episode on, like, how to win a job. You know, like how to win a job and not necessarily be a starter, but how to win a contract. You know, a lot of uh, goalkeepers, they contact us and they say, how do I how do I win a spot on my college team? How do I win a spot on my club team? How do I win a spot on a pro team? You know, because before you can become the starter, you need to make the team. hundred percent. Yeah. You need to be you need to be in the right situation to be on the field before you can even talk about being on the field. And I mean, there's if I had a nickel for every guy who you know, thinks that they can play in the MLS. I mean, I, I got, I got something to tell you. There's, there's a lot of guys who are, you know, on in a number two or number three spot who have beat a lot and a, and I say a lot of people out for that opportunity to potentially play in a situation where something goes wrong. And also how many two or threes have you seen that were like, youth legends like youth prodigies and they couldn't handle the fact that they were no longer being lauded as as the biggest thing in the world i have a special place in my heart for those types um because that's so opposite of you know my story um that i have a really hard time feeling for those guys yeah, yeah and accepting the complacency that a lot of them show uh, in regards to their their current state, because to me, I see a guy who's had all the opportunity and has just not been able to put in the right work and do the right things and accept that opportunity for what it is. Yeah, and I think you know myself and Patrick have been guys you know who I 
had to scrape and claw in order, whether it's for a lack of, you know, visibility or, a, you know, a height disadvantage, you know, to, to get to the levels that we played at. So it's one of those things where, you know, it's, it's, it's hard for me to relate to anyone like that. Um, and that's why you see a lot of goalkeepers at the higher levels who weren't necessarily the most lauded as, as younger players because they really did have to push and they had to sh- keep getting better and keep developing and stuff like that. And if you're a young goalkeeper out there right now and, and, and you think you're big time, uh, humble yourself and uh, you maybe play an age, age group up or, or um, get in an environment where you're no longer the best because it's going to benefit you in the long run. Yeah, ultimately, continue to push yourself out of your, out of your comfort zone. And that's only going to come from finding people to train with, to play with, to play against who are better than you. Yeah. Uh, college guys, find pros in the offseason. You're, you're going to learn real quick yep. the, the difference in a pro mentality in a college. I honestly, I, I can tell you, I thought I worked hard in college. And then after college, when I tried to play after college, I realized that I was still a kid. And that's, and that's something you see pretty often is these college kids don't understand People are competing to feed their families in this situation. If you do not come home with a contract, you need to find a real job. And there's there's a lot of people, a lot of players who, who maybe don't necessarily have a skill set outside of soccer because that's what they've been doing their entire lives. And for them, it, it, it's make or break. And if you're standing in the way, I can guarantee you they're going to do everything in their power to make sure that they're the one who goes home with the contract. And when you're coming up against that mentality, you better be ready for it. Yeah. And then the last thing I would say to you guys is make sure you listen to every episode of Inside the 18 because it will prepare you for that next level. Honestly, there's nothing more beneficial to you than listening to this podcast. Uh, it's going to change your life. It's going to do everything. So remember to rate, review, and subscribe to share it with all your friends out there. Patrick's literally laughing right now at this because he's like, we were just giving all these words of wisdom, and now you're just doing a written <laughs> plug, plug on it. But honestly, it's because you want to hear his words of wisdom. Um, I actually was just trying to give him a, a nice out here because uh, you know, he's got a child upstairs that's probably going to wake up at any moment, and uh, he's going to have to take care of it. Um. That's all the time on Inside the 18. Guys, remember, contact at InsideThe18Media.com. We are out, and we'll talk to you later. Thanks, guys. Bye.